It's the late 70s. Mark Hamill needs a ride to go rescue a princess. And so he gets one in this big, ugly van piloted by an aspiring hooker to go rescue a Corvette. This week on the Prop History Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Prop History Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm Greg. And ostensibly we talk about movie props. Sometimes. Most of the time. Probably not a whole lot this time. Occasionally. No, probably not a whole lot this time. How you doing, Greg? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. This is the first time we've sat down since the last time. Yeah. As always. <laughs> Usually it's like that's every the time case. I, like every time I leave the house, my dog's looking at me like going, you're never coming back. And I'm like, I always come back. Right. Because they, they always forget what you look like anyway. Yeah. Until that one time I don't come back. That's and, right. So, well, let's not talk about that. Yeah, no. Anyway, so as you alluded to, uh, we are mostly going to be talking about the uh, very early Mark Hamill film, Corvette Summer. Right, which did come out after Star Wars came out. But wasn't it filmed before Star Wars? I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and of course the whole linchpin, the MacGuffin of this film, is a Corvette. Yeah, 1973 Corvette Stingray. Now it has, it's it's mostly known, if, if people are aware of its appearance, uh, because of a very, very large hood scoop. Yes. And a different front fender, or uh, a different nose. And a big different rear end. And a big different rear end. Yeah. Now, do you know, since we're talking about it, do you know who built that car for I the movie? I do. Dick Corky at Corky's Customs and uh, Hollywood. And the original cars, I believe there were two. There were two. Uh, where are they now? So one is in Australia, and I think that the other is in New Zealand, um, which is weird that they'd both end up there. That's that's really... That's... Yeah. That's honestly kind of odd that, yeah. that they would go that far. But at the same time, the original Mad Max Interceptor's in Florida. So. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe it was a trade. I don't know. Like, uh, I, I'm not sure. Custody the s- dispute you get. I'm not sure the story of the Interceptor. I just know that it's in Florida. Yeah. But Now, people have said recently that there is one of the two of them in New Orleans. I don't think that's true. But I, right. think, I, think, I, think, I know one's in Australia. And I think... One is in New Zealand, but it's it's really the whole situation, the whole story on these cars is just super weird from the get go. Do tell. Well, I, you know they made this this movie, and it's and it's interesting. So this movie came out like 1979, I think, right after Star Wars. Um, I was a kid when I saw the film, so I was born in '72. It it you know we didn't have cable back then, um, so I have no idea how I saw it. It must have been like a movie of the week, but I saw this car in this movie and i absolutely fell in love with it um but people either love it or hate it <laughs> like 99.99 percent of the population hates it and 0.01 percent loves it um but the uh the car at some point was restored um and i i feel like the 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 car the hero so there were two cars made there was the hero car which was all the publicity and all the close-ups and then there was the car that did all of the, you know, the racing scenes and driving through the deserts, which you didn't get far enough into the movie to, no, to full, see that. Full disclosure, for one of the first times ever doing this podcast, I have not actually fully seen this movie. I started watching it and repeatedly got interrupted while watching it uh, because I am trying to move my shop right yeah. now. I mean, priorities. I get it. I could yeah. talk about this movie forever. So right. you can just sit here and look pretty and nod. Dumb. Um, but 
Um, so they made two of these cars. One was the, the hero. One was the, uh, the the I guess the primary driver car. You know, for the the driving scenes. Um, I'm not talking well, apparently. Um, and so they were just. I mean, atrocious looking cars. Like they look like they look like somebody was hired from the Hot Wheels line and said, "Okay, we want you to do a metric shit ton of cocaine and then just draw whatever comes to your mind." And that's what they did. This car really does look like a Hot Wheels car, though. You absolutely. are absolutely right. Yeah, like yeah. it's everything that I remember about Hot Wheels before they jumped the shark and started making things that look nothing like cars. Right. Um, but it looks like somebody took a Corvette. And just mashed a bunch of stuff on it. Yeah, they, I mean, they, it just, it's just the weirdest thing. Like, everything about, like, I love this car. Like, I, make no bones about it. I heart this car in the worst of ways, but like. Well, there is one kind of like it about a hundred yards away in there. Yeah, and it's going to get more kind of like it next month when I go down to Dallas to pick up fiberglass oh, you, pieces. Getting the nose. Is I, it the nose you're picking up? I'm picking up the nose and the rear end. Oh, you are getting yeah, both. He's oh, going to nice. have that done for me. So I know that the car is in two different colors in the movie. Yeah. So, okay. So here's the story. Since you haven't watched the movie and... <laughs> I'm a pure bastard. I'm and, sorry. <laughs> and, and 94% of the people who are listening to this, who are just doing it out of habit, um, have never seen this movie. So, okay. Here's the deal. The movie set in like 1978, 1979, Mark Hamill's character, Kenny Dantley, is a high school senior in his auto shop class. And the, uh, I forget the name of the teacher, but he takes them to the junkyard to go pick out a car. And they're looking at the junkyard. And he's like, oh, there's an old Shelby or, you know, an old Mustang. We can turn that into a Shelby clone. Or we, you know, there's this. Or, hey, it's a 55, uh, you know, Ranchero. You know, I don't know. I'm making this up. Um, and then over the top, you see above Mark Hamill's head, you see this beat to hell, falling apart, 1973 Corvette being picked up by the, the crusher, getting ready to drop it into the machine to turn it into a cube a la the end of Christine, right? And the Corvette logo, the Stingray logo falls at Mark Hamill's feet. He looks up, he sees it. And then he goes chasing after it, and he chases after it, and he hits the stop button and saves this car from certain death. And then the first act of the movie is Mark Hamill's character um, turning this car into this dream car of his, this cocaine-fueled Hot Wheel. Um, and that's the title for this podcast <laughs> cocaine fueled <laughs> hot wheels <laughs> perfect um <laughs> so like to the point where um kenny is at prom or in he sneaks into the auto shop and starts you know like m you know making out with the car you know like looking at the lines and 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 Mark Hamill's just so you know he would have been like twenty two, twenty three when this was filmed, but he was so, played this character so young and naive, and it's it's if you watch it from a lens of comparing him to Luke Skywalker, you see a lot of similar character traits. Um, so they create this amazing, amazing car. Um, in my mind, it's amazing. If you don't like it. 
tough. We don't have a comment section on the podcast things for a good reason. I get enough crap on my TikTok about this car. Um, And they just, you know, they show it off. And the big end of act one is them taking the car out to Sunset Strip or wherever, because this is all filmed in LA. And oddly enough, the high school is Burbank High School, which we were probably really close to. We we actually did drive past that. And we I, past I wish that I had uh, known that at the time. Because no, we'll, I we'll be going out there again We'll go soon. back out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the the end of the first act is that they take the car out to cruise the strip. Now, interesting point about the car is that the car is a right-hand drive car. And isn't that sort of done in a bit of a janky way, too? Yeah. So instead of, like, you know, flipping the drivetrain and putting the drive shaft on the other side, what they did was they took a motorcycle sprocket and welded it to the steering column someplace, like, I think on the inside, ran a motorcycle, like a Harley-Davidson motorcycle chain back when that was the thing, to another sprocket on the right-hand side, and then put a steering wheel welded to the, the sprocket. That way, when you turn the steering wheel, it turns the chain, which turns the steering column, which turns the car, and totally fucking dangerous. So, like, every time somebody says to me, are you going to make your car right-handed drive? No, because I don't want to die. <laughs> like, you know, like, show me your car and show me how you did it better, and right. we'll have a conversation. So, oh, but the reason they did this was so that, that, you know, like you could hang out the window and drive on the right-hand side of the street and, and like talk to the girls that are, you know, there. Back when that wasn't cringy behavior. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, they're high school kids. Yeah. You know, sorry. Um, So, um, so the end of the act one is this is happening and they send the last kid wants to drive it and they let him do it. Danny Badiducci from uh, the Partridge family. Um, and they're like, hey, stop at this, uh, this hamburger place, which is still there, by the way, um, and go get us all fries and sodas. And so he goes in and comes out, and the car's missing. And they're trying to get a hold of him, and they're trying to get a hold of him, and finally he's like, somebody stole a car. So Kenny, so that's end of Act 1, Kenny you know, spends his summer pining over this car, trying to find it, and somebody stops at the gas station he works at, and he's like, I swear I saw that in Vegas. It was in one of the showrooms. And so he hitches a ride to to Vegas. And he, the first person he gets a ride with is like these uh, Latinos who have this low rider driving two miles an hour. And so he gets out and eventually gets a ride in with, uh, with Vanessa, who is got her big van, her total pimped out van, and it's played by a young Annie Potts who is an aspiring hooker going to Vegas to make her fame and fortune as a prostitute. And she gets him to Vegas, and then he spends the summer looking for this Corvette, eventually finds it, only to find out, dun-dun-dun, that his shop teacher ended up arranging for it to be stolen to pad his income. And the guy that stole it was a former student of his who owns a body shop, chop shop in Los Angeles, or in Las Vegas, um, he's painted the car gold, and so Kenny, you know, doing what Kenny does, wants it back, and and ruffles feathers, ends up getting a job at the body shop, and you know, like becomes you know one of their top paid guys, 
and eventually he steals it back and he sneaks in repaints the car in one night which like i don't know how you do that but <laughs> it's a movie you yeah. know um, Hollywood and, magic. That's yeah. how. And then he kidnaps Vanessa and takes her back to to Burbank and turns the car into the school. He knows, you know, that the teacher and him know that this has happened by this point, like the whole stealing thing. And he hands the keys to the school and walks away. And he's like, "Deuces, bitches! Like I just wanted you to have my car back." And that's how the movie is. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's slightly anticlimactic, but it's it's a good like kind of lesson, I guess. Yeah. He didn't steal the car; he gave it back. It you know, it's like, can you tell me the plot of Porky's? No, no. you just watch it for the boobs, right? <laughs> I just watched I just watched this movie for the car, and yeah. uh, and at some point, I picked up what the plot was. So, how many times have you seen this movie? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's hard to tell. I don't like. I don't know how many times I saw it as a kid or where I saw it, but I've you know a dozen times. You know, okay. it's not like it's a favorite movie, but so of it is. now the original color of the car that that Mark Hamill's character painted it. Yeah. What color was the original? So originally it was this really really heavy metal flake red with a gold like really thick chunks of gold metal flake. Like imagine metal flake and make it more like like metal flake the size of like you know like uh, like frosted flakes. Like like so it's more of a metal chunk sort yeah, of paint. Yeah. Um, and then the other color was gold. How right. now? You have a replica of this car well, that you're yeah, working on. I'm working on, yeah. And what color are you going to have it painted? Uh, I mean, I'm probably going to do it the red, yeah. just because. But there's a part of me that wants to do a green version, like that would be like your own version of the yeah. car. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it is your car. It is my car. You can do what you want with yeah. it. So I, th- I like the red. I've seen images of the gold because, of course, I'm a pure bastard and I didn't watch the movie beforehand. Yeah. Um, but I like the red better. I do too. I mean, yeah. you know, like, so I'm building the car. Uh, about a year ago, I was able to trade somebody some parts to get the scoop. Um, well, let's take this a step back. So uh, I, I sold my motorcycle. My wife no longer wanted to ride the motorcycle. She was feeling uncomfortable with it. And I'm like, you know, this would be a good opportunity for us to get something that we could both be in at the same time and still have the wind going through our hair. And so I'm like, an old Corvette would be cool with the idea that I was going to do things to it. And um, so I was able to get the the scoop off of the real car um, through somebody who had a mold of it and I incorporated that into my existing hood. Well, I actually got a different hood so I could keep my original hood just in case I screwed it up. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I have the car. I have sort of kind of close to the right rims on it. I'm still looking for the right rims. Um, I've got the hood scoop on. Um, I've got side pipes that are kind of sort of like how it was in the movie. The movies were – everything in this car was totally freaking custom. So I'm doing what I can. But – the uh, original hood was a total tip flip tilt hood, like not just the hood, but the whole front end of it flipped. Up. Oh, the whole front end yeah. came up like a funny car almost. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not going to do that because well, that's just way too much work. So, right, fair enough, fair enough. And then the back end is just crazy. Go look online. You'll type. You'll in be able to see it. Yeah. It's pretty easy to find images of. Oh dear, I left my phone on like a jerk. This is just the best podcast we've ever done, um, but. Oh, goodness. I'm so sorry. Total fail on my part. Womp, womp. womp. Anywho. Now, you're going to probably do this car 
red maybe yeah yeah i'm sure i'm gonna do it red right so you'll have you'll have more or less a replica of the corvette summer car you could trailer it out there to california and see oh, if, yeah. see if mark hamill would come out and sign it that take a picture cool. with it i mean i have to drive a truck out there before long because i have to deliver an ark of the covenant and rtd2 out That'd to california be awesome. because it'll be the most if we could get the corvette summer car on a trailer behind it it would be the most possible tie-ins to Lucasfilm Star Wars Mark Hamill in one sitting. Awesome. Right? Yeah. Just do that. See what I can do. Yeah. I need some I need to get this TV show off the ground so we, we can need to get this TV show going. Yeah. Yeah. Because so yeah. can... we're working on a TV show in case no one's ever heard us talking about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get that going. I can get some money in and pay some people and yeah. get moving. Actually, the guy that I'm getting the uh, the parts from, um, he and I have become pretty good friends over this car like he owns a body shop or he he does painting i don't know what kind of body work he does but right. he, he's a car painter um like i've talked to him about maybe possibly once i get all the body work done sending the car to him and let him paint it because like he gets the paint and, mm-hmm. you know and he's building one so and then he can is he in texas yeah in dallas dallas so it's really not that terribly far of a drive by comparison to vegas yeah. And then it's really not that far of a drive from Vegas to L.A. There you go. We'll pick up the car, and then we'll do that. You can follow the same road back to L.A. that Mark Hamill did. That would be kind of cool. It would be kind of cool, actually, just because. And then pull it into the parking lot of Burbank High School and take a picture, and then get out before security runs you off. <laughs> well, at the end of the movie, um, like to get everybody's attention, he goes and pulls the fire alarm. Nice. So like, how cool would it be to pull my car up, park it, run in, pull the fire alarm? I think that'd be a felony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think they would enjoy it nearly as much as I think that they would. Right. In your mind, it would go over brilliantly, but it's right. just probably in real life not. And I just so hand them the keys and walk away to this in sunset with my uh, former prostitute girlfriend. There you go. <laughs> it might the... be reading too much into this, but <laughs> I can make all of this happen. I just know. I mean, you probably could, but I mean, ultimately in the modern era, I don't think that they would really appreciate you pulling the fire alarm. No, no, you don't. You, but this would be a great episode of props to history. It would be a fantastic episode of props to history, other than other than the pulling of the fire alarm, because it's I just don't think that'd go over. Well. Yeah, but if you plan this ahead of time, yeah, if you scheduled it with like a fire alarm test and the school is okay with it, and the if parents you just say, with it, yeah. you know, get the school on board, and say, hey, we're going to film an episode. We'd like to pull a fire alarm and have everybody come out, or at least like pretend like you're pulling the right. fire alarm. You don't even have to pull the fire alarm. Well, that's true. Movie magic and all that. Yeah, you know, and then. The kids get a you know free afternoon off, and, and that's it. Buy everybody lunch. Yeah, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. I, f- I feel like this is totally practical. I think so. Props <laughs> to history. Props to history. <laughs> but we're the Prop History Podcast. Totally yeah, different. Yeah, totally thing. different. Not associated in any way, shape, or form, except the fact that uh, this Friday I'm moving into a new building. Yeah. And the Prop History Podcast is moving from your shop or my shop into a permanent locale. Yeah. The the location will be, remain anonymous uh, and unnamed for now, but it will actually be a proper working prop shop, and the broadcast but the broadcast will be done from there. That'll be awesome. Yeah. So we don't have to constantly box this crap up and throw it throw it in the corner of the shop, whichever shop we're recording it in at the time. It'd be nice too if we could like bring people in every once in a while. To I'd be about join it. Us. You know, you've got two more thingies for microphones. Yeah, I can add uh, two more two more spots to this. We can have two more people. So, and there's a lot of people in the Indiana prop community that I would love to just have a sit and chat with. And people from Chicago, yeah. um, 
even you know down in uh, Louisville and all that just anybody who's willing to come up to the shop hang out for the day and then I'll probably end up doing a um, a gathering of makers so to speak at the shop after I get it all sorted out just you know 10 or 15 people just to hang out yeah it's about it just to meet each other network etc just for the fun of it I'll bring the beer but yeah one of uh, hopefully I'll be able to bring some folks together just for the sake of doing it. I will say that over the years, one of my favorite things that I've ever done as a prop builder is like having prop parties or gatherings and just inviting people. And yeah. Cause we are as prop makers, a lot of us, except for you and I, because we interact all the time, yeah. we're pretty much hermits that exist all on our own in our own little worlds. And it's nice yeah. to, you know, crawl out of the ground and go meet others like us when the yeah. seasons change. That no. hasn't been able to be possible because a lot of times, like prop makers, will meet each other at places like Wonderfest or uh, yeah. um, different cons and that sort of thing. And those have not happened in almost well over a year now, it seems like. And now they're coming back so much so that we'll actually be at one here shortly, you and yeah. I, as weirdly enough, celebrity guests. That is really weird. July 9th through the 11th at Indie PopCon. Uh, and for those listening in 2023, this is taking place in 2021. So if it's coming up, you'll, you have missed it already. Uh, but we will actually be, weirdly enough, celebrity guests yeah. uh, alongside the blacksmith from The Mandalorian, Emily Swallow. Yeah, I can't wait. Yep. And I have, I have two Mandalorian blacksmith helmets. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, uh, awesome. My buddy at HCD Fabrication in Chicago, uh, he's making them for me. Cool. And then uh, Emily is going to sign them. And then they'll be auctioned off for charity. So, Very cool. Um, they'll be auctioned off to benefit uh, Magic Wheelchair, which is a charity I work with a lot that I absolutely love, and also Nation of Makers, which just helps pr- spread the idea of making and makers amongst all kinds of communities all over the world. So something that I really love. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited about this convention. Uh, Indie PopCon has been a convention I've been a part of for several years. Um, we used to, my partner and I used to have a charity called Signing Away Hunger, and they were one of the first people to really kind of step up and say, yeah, we'll give you some booth space. And um, we, we did pretty well there, um, Just but we decided to disband the charity just because of how conventions were going. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I've gotten a little busy. So Yes, busy has been a thing that has happened to the both of us as of late, which yeah. is nice. Um, more so, uh, it's nicer that that busy also is starting to come with a little bit of money. That's awesome. Which makes it even easier. I'm all about a little money. Right? I'm all about a little bit of money, too. And we have many projects working on together uh, that will be bringing us, hopefully, some money. But then also, many people, a lot of joy. Yes. And that's what it's really about, right? You know, like, the reason we keep doing props is because, you know, that emotional connection that you have to these films. and, And, you know, you, me, all of us, we have to these films. And getting to have like a real tangible connection to the film. Yeah, that piece that gives you that tangible little connection yeah. to that thing. To that, like you said, that emotional response you have to these films. Um, that's why I do it. I'm pretty sure that's part yeah. of the reason at least that you do it. And I also, I just love the build. Like right. you and I are kind of similar in that, yes, we are both collectors, but we're makers first. Yeah. Like we enjoy the process of getting there. And then once we're there, we're like, neat. Moving on. Yeah. You know, and if that thing sits in the corner and collects dust or gets sold, meh, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I definitely, like, 90% of the things in my collection are things that I've made. Same. And um, I'm okay with that. Like, although I did 
just recently, I don't know if you saw, I did recently get a uh, Maltese Falcon. Uh, Whose who's, who's sculpt was it? The uh, Haunted Studios. Haunted Studios one? Yeah. yeah which, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, like, I've wanted this piece forever. Um, and I was always hesitant to buy because, like, I kept hearing, oh, there's going to be a better version and a better version. And, you know, here we are 20 years later for me. And it's like, screw it. I just want one. And Yeah, I, I bought the Haunted Studios one a little while ago. And... I looked at all the different versions online. Like Oz's sculpt is one of the best out there, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. But I just can't. I can't afford it right now. Right. And the Haunted Studios one, is, it's a nice, crisp sculpt. Yeah. It looks good. And for me, it's good enough. Yeah, so, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So. I'd love at some point uh, to be able to buy one of Oz's because uh, it'd be great. Um, but it's just not on the cards just yet. But he does actually make a version of it that's 45 pounds of lead. Jeez. That's exactly what the original prop was. And in, in the book? Yeah. Okay. The bo- Actually, no, in real life, in the film. Oh, wow. Like, when you see Humphrey Bogart pick it up, you can see that it weighs a lot of, it, there's a lot of weight to it. And the surviving one, the one that was one of the most viable props ever sold at like $4.1 million, it was sold to Steve Wynn, who owns several casinos. Right. It's in his office, sitting oh, wow. between a Picasso and a Gauguin. And weirdly enough, it's more valuable than either of those paintings. That's funny. Um, and it's 45 pounds of lead. Wow. And uh, it was crazy, too, because the, there's all this mystery surrounding that prop. There's, yeah. like, a lot of mystique to it. Like, it has a vague connection to the Black Dahlia murder. Uh, it's got all kinds of weird stuff going on with it. But there's also two plaster casts that are also from the film. Oh, wow. But are they? It's there's a whole lot of questions even surrounding the one that Steve Wynn has. So I got really kind of obsessed with the idea of the Maltese Falcon when uh, Night Court was on mm-hmm. because uh, Harry Anderson had, or you know, the judge had a Maltese Falcon in in his office, yeah. and apparently that was Harry Anderson's. And he brought it in and uh, used it as set decoration. And at one point, he said, I, I want to take this home. And like the set director or the set decorator or something was like, yeah, I know. We need to keep this here for some continuity. He goes, but I know that there's a box backstage. It's got a couple of them in. And if you want to you know, go get one. And so my understanding was that he grabbed one of the screen-used ones. Yeah, and there's some question whether it's from... The Maltese Falcon or from The Black Bird, which was a 1970s parody film gotcha. that used the same molds. Okay. As So uh, I, I've heard this story, but I've never heard anything conclusive about whether or not they're from the 1941 Maltese Falcon or from the parody film in the 70s. Well, well the kicker for me with the story is that Harry and Mel Torme went back in to, to grab another one. Like... <laughs> Like they went in after hours, and you know, like I always forget that Mel Torme was in that show, like constantly. Yeah, like <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, that's just the funniest thing. Yeah. Also, oh. Brent Spinner. Yeah. Yeah. Brent Spiner, excuse me. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I understand that he was supposed to have had a bigger role, but then he got the uh, some other spaceship show. Yeah, and, some uh, weird spaceship show showed up and. Because his his character was the sort of the yokel, yeah. and, and he was supposed to become a much more recurring character. Yeah. And then you know that little pokey right. Star Star Trek Star Star Trek Star Trek Star Trek showed yeah. up, and uh, and he went and did that instead. Yeah, probably been good for him. Yeah, I know so. it, it seems to have done well for him. Seems so. to have done well for him. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, goodness. 
I see it all circles back around to space movies and yeah, we're and we're pretty much one trick ponies, but that's okay. Yeah. Is there are, is there anything else like because I like I don't normally seek out specific stuff all the time. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Right now. Because you have a long list. I'm actually looking at it. It's I a do. dry erase board, a long list of things that you're working on that you want to complete. I do. Is there anything not on that list that you're wanting to do or acquire? Um, you know, I started playing with the 3D printer again today because I haven't 3D printed anything with a regular filament printer um, in a while because I, I kind of want to print out a pit droid mm-hmm. to go with my box of uh, battle droid. That's in it. <laughs> yeah, your box of battle droid parts. Ah. So you want a box of pit droid parts? I do. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, something came up the other day and I'm like, I've got to do that. I don't remember what it was, but that's just, you know, how I'd be, I'd be about doing a pit droid. I like pit droids. I think they're fun little things. Um, I really, I was, so, uh, a guy that I work with a lot, McFly print 3d, he's based in France. He has done absolutely beautiful models of pretty much every Ralph McQuarrie design that has ever been. Oh, wow. It is perfect, perfect design, uh, perfect models of him. It's extremely good 3D modeler. He's just released this absolutely beautiful model of Maria from 1927's Metropolis. Oh, yeah. And I just bought it. Really? Yes. So I'm going to be printing that out. So once I've moved shop, which will nice. take a, several days because I have a lot of stuff and get my new shop set up. My printers, I'm going to dedicate two of them to making parts for Maria. That would be awesome. I really want a Maria. So I had a Maria, a full size for the longest time. And you know, I'm not going to say who made it because it's not that it was bad. It just wasn't what I wanted. And so yeah. it would be really nice to, to have what it is that I've always like wanted. have a really proper yeah. model. I and mean, his is, like I look at the render and then I look at the screenshots from 1927's Metropolis and they're all, almost completely dead on. And she looks right. That's awesome. You know, and that's the thing. Cause there's a lot of replicas of Maria out there. I would and say the crop circle one is by they, far yeah, the way. Crop circle is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of them that are, like you said, they're, they're almost there, but they're just not yeah. quite right. And with Maria, it's a very difficult thing to achieve getting it right and of course the original no longer exists um it was thought to have been destroyed during production and then the pieces that survived were destroyed when berlin had Mm. some issues with other countries and it was sort of flattened um but i'm really looking forward to having a full-size maria which surprisingly is about five feet ten inches tall Really? Mine was not nearly that big. So. Well, the actor who played Maria, she was five foot eight. So, and, huh. they, and she actually wore the suit. Okay. And apparently it beat the crap out of her every time she wore it. Well, I know that like the, the shoes were like four inch lifts. Yeah. They too, were in, so. enormous. Yeah. She, yeah. She's had huge platforms. Um, so she was super tall in that anyway. So she was, she was not a small woman. Huh. Um, especially for the time in the 1920s. Right. So, but I really like the movie. Oh yeah, totally. And it's great. Even the extended version, uh, which shows everything in it that, as it was Fritz Lang intended. So I'm looking forward to having that done. That'd be cool. But then also the Ark of the Covenant yeah. and R2D2 and R4I9, Wally, Johnny Five. Yeah. All yeah. those things. I um I've always wanted to do the Ark, and the thing that keeps stopping me, the Ark and C3PO both 
is just the gold plating, and mm-hmm. I don't want to do it unless I can gold plate them the way that I think they should be done. So. Yeah, I'm I'm going back and forth between paint and electroplating, and to see which one is a the most economical, and b which one looks the best. Yeah, because I know that the prep work on the arc is going to be brutal to get it just right before either electroplating right. or paint because it has to be perfect. Yeah, because any imperfection is going to show. And yep. I want zero imperfections on this. So, and so of course, so does the guy who's being built for. Right. Um, and I don't know if I can say his name, so I won't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those. I always, I always res- like, I always default to anonymity with stuff, but those are the things on my plate. Um, the biggest one of course is moving. So, yeah, I mean, right now I'm building a, a, fl- a, a, a harp, the lyre from uh, the original Star Trek series, Spock's mm-hmm. harp. We got that. That's uh, my only paid thing for now, and then I can help you with R two D two and mm-hmm. get back to working on mine. We can complete all of our R two units at once. That would be amazing. And I've got to finish my uh, my jerk table. Yes. From, uh, so I really want to see that thing done. I have all the parts. I just need to do it. So. Well, I mean, time is always an issue. Yeah. Because you work full time as a teacher, and then also this. Yeah. So, and then you have a family as well. So, it progress can be slow, and I yeah. get that. I okay. I just do this now full time. So that's awesome. I'm jealous of myself, truth be told. I never thought I'd be at this point. Yay. Be at this point when I could do this. No, that's a good thing. Yeah. Soon though, yeah. we'll have a TV show. That would be. And awesome. in the off season, we can just live in our shops. That would be that done. Would be awesome. Or, yeah, that would be nice to work four or five months a year and then do props four or five months a year. And yeah. And then take two months off and just go somewhere. Right. That'd be, be cool. Be nice. that, Hopefully the world will open up and how the other half lives. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this episode, uh, cocaine fueled hot wheels, right. Um, started out like, like about Corvette summer. And now here we are talking about 1927's Metropolis. No, that's Ain't fine. It the way. You know, here's, you know, it's <laughs> funny that, that we ended up talking about Metropolis. Cause like when I was, uh, you know, thinking about my intro, like, uh, like I wanted to make it sound like I was talking about star Wars, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, because both have Mark Hamill in it. Both have, you know, this ugly vehicle trying to transport him to this place so he can rescue this, car slash princess mm-hmm. and you know like and you know annie potts and harrison ford both play these kind of scoundrel kind of characters with hearts of gold and and so they're they're really quite similar movies but the funny thing is when i was thinking about that similarity i was also thinking about the similarity between uh star wars and metropolis about this evil empire and this princess trying to overthrow with this rebellion and there's this robot and like you know so yeah because maria weirdly enough is a tie-in to star wars because she inspired ralph Mc- she was part of the inspiration for ralph mccrory's early designs of c3 yeah and she um, is i believe she's the first depicted what was referred to by the germans as machine and mensch uh, as a robot She's one of the first robots depicted in film. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. Not the first, but she's one of the first. Uh, so it's actually... Still this, the prettiest. Yeah. Oh, no. She, Maria's fantastic. The car. Yeah. Especially for 1927. And the special effects that were done in that movie were amazing. And surprisingly, like when they did the big cityscapes, those were models, of course. And the cars and whatnot were all individually hand-built cars. And some of those still survive. Oh, nice. And we actually saw some of them at Peterson Auto Museum mm-hmm. in California. And they were remakes of them because the originals are too delicate. Right. 
but and that was a modeling group and uh, a modeling club in Germany that remade them for different museums. So I love that movie for what it is and what it represents, and also Maria, just because yeah. Maria looks so good and she's sort of the archetype of the robots that we yeah. got to know, and they led to the droids. So um, I'm really, I'm really quite excited to build oh, Maria. I want now. I want this this life size R2 and 3PO and Maria, and they can just be like a family photo. Yeah, well, that'd that be adorable, sweet. wouldn't it? Yeah. Now we just need to build a C3PO. Well, you know, we get these 3D printers up and running, and... I think we could probably pull it off. Yeah. I think we can make a C-3PO. Yeah. I'd be about it. And also, once we figure out how to do the gold on the Ark, then we'll know how to do the gold on C-3PO. Right. Easy I'm going to actually get a hold of my friend... Uh, get a hold of Gordon. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Gordon's done several C-3PO's. Let's see what he suggests. Chris Bartlett, too. Yeah, Chris um, Bartlett. So, yeah. actually, I... So, Chris Bartlett before... So, if you don't know who Chris Bartlett is, he plays c-3po and droids and the mandalorian and stuff like that so if it's not anthony daniels and a c-3po costume it's probably chris but chris started out because he has built like 3po but he started out making 3po costumes uh, mm. jesus 15 20 years ago and i actually had one of his totally fiberglass c-3po kits and it was gorgeous it mm. was amazing and i ended up selling it because um I didn't. I couldn't afford to gold plate it, and yeah. So I let it go to somebody else, and I made some money off of it. And now we'll just I have to get another it, one now. I know. We'll just have to get another one, and that's yeah. fine. Put it in the shop and be done with it, there and then go. we can take it around to different cons when we go to them. Oh uh, as, my! Oh my! <laughs> I am C three PO Human Cyborg Relations. This is my counterpart R two T two. That was the best, Anthony Daniels. See, Gordon Tarpley, who I was talking about, he is built roughly the same way, and mm-hmm. he's dressed as. C-3PO before. I'm not sure professionally, but he does a lot of makeup work and prosthetic work as well. And um, I know he's built at least one, if not several, oh, C-3PO's. Okay. So we'll have a meeting of the minds, so to speak, and That'd see what the cool. best way to approach this is. Yeah. So I'm glad we could have this discussion on our podcast. I'm right. sure our listeners have switched over at this point. <laughs> Where else are they going? <laughs> oh, we've got like 10. It's all right. They'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we, we are actually, weirdly enough, we've managed to crawl our way through this to the 38-minute mark. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. So, see, because, well, we ran long the last time, so oh, we can I run short this that. time. Is there anything that you want to point out before we, before we bounce up out of here? Uh, you know, seriously, if, you know, like, it... If you have a chance, sit through Corvette Summer, watch it, enjoy it for what it's worth. Um, you know, uh, you know it's uh, it's funny. You know what sticks with you as a child, but that was a movie that stuck with me as a kid. And mm-hmm. um, um, I'm going to be posting more videos on my uh, TikTok as I get the the parts and my Instagram. So you know, follow along there to see. My journey into madness as I cut apart a perfectly good 1977 Corvette to make it look like this uh, cocaine-fueled Hot Wheel. It's the perfect name for this podcast. Well, I have actually been producing a lot less content on TikTok for the last probably four days. How do you feel about that? I'm fine with it, truth be told. But the reason is is because I'm tearing my shop down to move. So I haven't been able to produce as much. I like making stuff for TikTok. I like posting online. I like I like the social medias. I do. Um, I enjoy it. And maybe it's a bit of narcissism that I like yeah. the attention. Who knows? But um, I'll be back to posting normally nice. like I do after I get done with this move this weekend. So I'm looking forward to that uh, I, I, as well. I will say the one thing that I'm 
jealous of your TikTok is that people ask you questions that give you reasons to create new TikToks. Yeah. And I don't ever get that. It's like, oh, that's cool. Or why do you call it a harp and not a liar? Or that car's ugly. You're stupid. Or are you going to make it right-hand drive? So, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I just, you know. Well, I, weirdly <sighs> enough, like found that strange niche yeah. that, that everybody has these curiosities that they've forgotten about until they're presented oh, yeah. with an opportunity to ask. And, and I love that a lot of people think that, like, that my giant head means that I have super good memories. Like, no, I'm good at researching. Yeah. That's what that comes down to. Like, I don't know all this crap off the top of my head. Sometimes I do. Yeah, but. no, I mean, I, let's be honest. I don't, I don't want all of the people, like, I don't want all of that. Like, I don't have time for it. Right. I, I do my videos when I have time. And mm-hmm. otherwise, I just sit and watch what the algorithms feed me on my For You page. And I actually, I do every video that I do during the day. I do them all in the morning. Oh, nice. I get them all done in the morning, and then I don't have to worry about them. And then I release them at certain times, and that's it. That's cool. how. And unless something pops up, that's how I do it. But here, these last few days, I haven't been able to do any of that. Right. I'm you just, got a lot going on. I wake up, and it's, I didn't realize all that went into starting a small business. It's a lot. Goodness me. It's a pain. Yeah. But where can, uh, if people wanted to find out more about you, Greg, where would they find you? Uh, what I'm making on the TikToks and Props with Greg on Instagram. And you can find me at Props to History on pretty much any social media, but you can also find me at uh, forward slash makes things on Facebook or uh, here on the Prop History Podcast. Yeah. And this has been the Prop History Podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye.